Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page where you do get early access. Link will be down in the show notes. So we all have managed to make it through yet another week, and there was quite a few things that happened this week. Um, Obviously, I want to start with New Hampshire. Um, Did end up having the New Hampshire primary on Tuesday, and thankfully, fortunately, this went a little better than Iowa. There was no problems, no problems with counting votes or anything like that. But what did end up happening, and I personally would like a little bit of credit for calling this ahead of time, was that the top three in New Hampshire were Bernie Sanders. He did end up winning. And then second place, Pete Buttigieg. Third place, Amy Klobuchar. And then everybody else kind of fell off the map, which... I, I kind of saw this coming, like I said. I wasn't quite sure about my third being Klobuchar, but it, hey, it turned out to be right. So <laughs> who knows? Maybe I'm good at this. But it was kind of an interesting breakdown. So obviously Bernie Sanders won with 25.7% of the vote. Buttigieg came in second with 24.4%. So there's not a lot of room between Bernie and Pete on this. It is still very close. Um, Amy Klobuchar came in with 19.8%, which is respectable. I mean, it's not as close as Bernie and Pete, but I mean, she's still in at least, you know, the, the double digits. And then the next person would be in fourth place, Elizabeth Warren with 9.2%. Then we have Joe Biden with 8.4%. And then everybody else kind of just like, falls below 5%. So my takeaway from this is I I want to kind of try to figure out what this means kind of large scale in terms of looking at how this primary season has been conducted, because really we started this primary season back in the fall of 2018. So we are well, well over a year into this primary season before we even got to Iowa. I mean, we started having Democratic primary debates in June of last year. So for all of this very hyper-extended primary season, to have New Hampshire end up with Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, and Amy Klobuchar in the top three, and then even going back to Iowa, where apparently Pete Buttigieg won. We're settling on that, I think. Bernie got more actual votes, but then Biden, or excuse me, Buttigieg got more delegates. It's kind of a weird situation. The Bernie camp is still not entirely on board with this, but I mean, we've moved on because what else are you going to do? For this to be where we're at. And even looking at trends over the past, I mean, even if you just wanted to break it down to the past six weeks, it wasn't that long ago that Joe Biden was predicted to win in New Hampshire. And it was predicted that Elizabeth Warren would have a strong showing in Iowa and New Hampshire. And these things obviously did not happen. And it seems that reports of people on the ground are that voters are doing the thing that we kind of expect voters who don't live in our particular bubble and don't cover politics and don't follow this kind of stuff to do, which is you make your decision right before you vote. 
So what the hell was the past year? <laughs> and and I've been I I've been pretty stridently out there by pointing out that there is going to be an unprecedented amount of money set on fire in the 2020 election. And this kind of proves my point because for all of the money and all of the time that especially Elizabeth Warren has spent, that Joe Biden has spent, I mean, there's there's no return. And I maintain that neither one of them is going to drop out before Super Tuesday, especially not Biden. But it's pretty clear that, I mean, barring something really dramatic happening in, say, either Nevada or South Carolina, I mean, their campaigns are done. Like, it's it's kind of done for them. So what what was the point of this whole long-ass extended primary season? And I've been putting this out pretty much every time I did a recap of a Democratic debate last year was that we're the only people watching this. Like, nobody, like, normal people are not watching this stuff. Normal people are not getting this invested this early in the cycle. And I think that my statement there has been proven to be true. So, I don't know. There's There's some kind of lesson to be learned here as far as having some kind of hyper-long primary season and how it's really not particularly useful or effective or a good use of any of the candidates' time to spend a year-plus campaigning before the first vote is even cast, or that the DNC should be starting primary debates, what, about seven months before Iowa? Like, that that doesn't seem to have served any good purpose as far as being able to be any kind of predictor of who people are going to vote for or that people are going to be paying attention that far out. And as far as the surge of Buttigieg and Klobuchar and kind of that sort of centristy, although I still don't call Buttigieg a centrist. Buttigieg is a neolib. He is a neoliberal. Go ahead and just call him what it is. Whether you like neoliberals or not, he is a neolib. Klobuchar... I, I mean, I I, don't, I just don't know about her. I mean, it's interesting that she's having this moment because, I mean, the last debate is the first time that I actually saw her in a debate. And I was like, wow, I understand why she's on this stage. I wasn't like, what the hell is she doing here? Like, who, who keeps, who, who's donating money to this woman? Who's, who's voting for her in polls? Like, I hear nobody being a fan of Amy Klobuchar, but she keeps being on this debate stage. But I think their surges are kind of proof of that idea that, I mean, people don't really start paying attention until it's time to vote. Because, I mean, that's that's the only real explanation because neither one of them has really, like, done anything up until recently to make people pay attention to them. So, and... A lot of this may be a reaction to Bernie Sanders or people reacting to his stances. I see people try to compare the 2020 primary season to the 2016 primary season. And it's just, it's not comparable, especially when you're looking at Bernie's numbers, because Bernie was running against Hillary. It was a two-person race. 
There were a lot of people who just hated Hillary's guts. So this idea that you can look at 2016's numbers and compare, especially Bernie's numbers, to 2020 numbers and say like, oh, okay, he doesn't have as much support as he had in 2016. I mean, it's just, it's it's a completely different monster. And the fact that he is doing so well, I mean, obviously there is support for Bernie. Even when you have all of these other options, people are still picking Bernie. But like I said, then there are people who are not picking Bernie. And when the people who are not picking Bernie are also not picking Elizabeth Warren either, and they're not picking Joe Biden, they're picking Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. There's, that's, that's kind of crazy. When you think about it, because, I mean, they're both relatively unknown on the national stage. I mean, nobody nobody knew who these people were before they started running for president. Let's be real. Um, everybody knew who Elizabeth Warren was. Everybody knows who Joe Biden is. I mean, it's just it's it's a referendum on what is going on in the Democratic Party, I think. And I'm very curious to see what ends up happening in Nevada um, their caucus is this coming Saturday. So, I mean, I expect Bernie to win that. Although, although there is Bernie pushback going on in Nevada because in Nevada, obviously, there are a lot of unions. It's a very union heavy state. I mean, when you think about the kind of industries that are in Nevada, they're very heavily unionized. And Unions have come out as having a problem with Medicare for all because they look at it as if you're going to strip away private insurance, if you're going to abolish private insurance, then this is going to affect union members who have kind of negotiated for these very nice, posh private health insurance plans, and they're going to have to give those up and they're not very thrilled about it. So there's been kind of this like dust up between the Bernie camp and the Culinary Union of Nevada. And ugliness has happened. Um, somebody actually doxed one of the leaders of the culinary union. They posted her name and her telephone number and her address and everything on Reddit, which people don't do that. Don't dox people. That's not cool. It's not okay. You can disagree with people. Don't put them in a situation where they could possibly be physically harmed. Don't do that. Don't dox people. But it's becoming this very kind of nasty thing. And obviously the Bernie fans online are being very nasty and unfair to the culinary union and to some other people too. We'll talk about that in a second, but yeah, it's just, I, I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens because especially with Bernie being so, 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 so close in Iowa and winning New Hampshire, if he wins Nevada too, then you're going into really the heavy season of primaries with some pretty substantial bona fides. And I don't know how exactly you stop that. There seems to be one person that people are banking on to stop that. And I am not entirely comfortable with this idea, but we'll get there in a second. But the other interesting thing that happened on Tuesday outside of the New Hampshire primary was that Andrew Yang dropped out of the race, which that surprised me. I did not see that coming. And I had actually predicted that nobody would drop out before Super Tuesday. So Yang ruined that prediction for me. So I'm I'm one for two. 
you know, that's that's 50%. That's pretty good, right? So he ends up dropping out on Tuesday. Um, his reasoning being that he doesn't want to run in a race that is abundantly obvious that he's not going to win, which I mean, let's be real. No, Andrew Yang was not going to be the Democratic presidential nominee at any point during this at all. So, I mean, yeah, I guess on that level, sure, I understand Yang dropping out, but I mean, he was still making debate stages. He did still have a lot of support. I just, I just, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't think he would drop out. Not this soon. I figured he'd probably wait till Super Tuesday too, but so that happened and it kind of sort of overshadowed the New Hampshire primary just a tad bit. Um, for what it's worth, um, Deval Patrick and Michael Bennett dropped out too, but you don't, you don't know them. So, um, the, the question is though, what happens to the Yang gang? Like, where do they go from here? Because I personally don't see a natural fit for them with any of the other candidates because Yang's candidacy and Yang's platform was very specifically about the the worry about automation and UBI and making sure that people don't get replaced by robots and kind of in that sort of vein of worrying about technology and worrying about stuff like that. And there's no other candidates that are really taking up that particular cause, or at least not to the extent that I've particularly noticed anybody worrying about automation or anything like that. So I posed the question on Twitter and got a lot of interesting responses. Um, some people said Bloomberg, which I'm not seeing that. Um, a lot of people said Vermin Supreme, which thank you guys for, for boosting Vermin. He's a lovely man. But I don't see any of the candidates who, or any of the supporters who really supported Yang because of his stances ever supporting a libertarian. Like if you're truly worried about automation and you're worried about displacing workers and a changing workforce and stuff like that, and that you think that the government should do something to help those people. I mean, nobody coming out of the Libertarian Party is going to be for you. So I don't really see that happening. Who knows? Maybe I, I've seen some people say that they'll just not vote at all, which I don't, I don't know. I'm always curious about non-voters as a non-voter myself. So Maybe that'll happen. Maybe they'll write in Yang. But it's just like now there's this constituency that wasn't huge, but it was passionate. And now they kind of don't have a home. And I'm interested to see if they move on to another candidate, which other candidate they move on to. But on the subject of moving on in other candidates and their week, um, Mike Bloomberg has had himself a um, not so great week. Or maybe not. I'm I'm confused about a lot of things related to Mike Bloomberg right now. Um, it came out this week and God bless whoever is starting to drop the oppo research on Bloomberg. Because not that this is anything that anybody didn't already know if you pay attention, but to actually hear about a Bloomberg's mouth is something else entirely. Um, somebody leaked recordings of him talking about stop and frisk. And this recording was apparently done at a private event and Bloomberg had asked for the audio not to be released, but here we are. Um, there was another clip released, I think that was actually from a radio show where he was also talking about stop and frisk, but 
the upshot of both of these sorts of clips is that it was Bloomberg point blank admitting that stop and frisk was targeted towards minorities. And now a lot of you are probably like, well, no shit, Sherlock. And of course, I mean, stats don't lie. Anybody who pays attention to this sort of thing, anybody who noticed the arrest patterns in stop and frisk already figured that out a long time ago. But like I said, to actually hear it come out of his mouth to say that he sent police into minority neighborhoods to stop and frisk minorities under the auspices of trying to reduce gun violence, which in 99% of the stops done under stop and frisk, there was no weapon found. So for all of this, 1% of those stops actually resulted in finding a weapon on the person being stopped. That's pretty astonishing. The other thing that correlates with stop and frisk is while this was going on, arrest for marijuana went through the roof because, and I've explained this before, but I'll do it again. During the time of stop and frisk in New York, it wasn't illegal to have weed on your person, but it was illegal to display it publicly. So here's the trick with stop and frisk. You stop someone, you ask them to empty their pockets. Now, if you have weed on you, it's in your pocket, you're good, you're legal. The minute you take it out of your pocket, it's illegal. That's an arrestable offense. So basically, you just got tricked into doing something that the police can arrest you for. And they did. In staggering numbers, minorities, in minority neighborhoods, where Bloomberg just admitted he sent the cops to go basically harass people and violate their constitutional rights. Under any other... In any other normal-ass circumstance, this would be disqualifying. For somebody to point-blank admit that they engaged in flagrantly unconstitutional activity that also was racial profiling would disqualify somebody for running to be president of the United States. Why this hasn't disqualified Bloomberg? Fuck if I know. But, I mean... (laughs) I'm just like, I'm scratching my head, like I said, over Bloomberg this week, because not only during the week that all this dropped, and like I said, it's not news per se, but to hear him say it is rather newsworthy. There's been this weird surge of support for Bloomberg that I'm not understanding at all, because I mean, I don't know. I've followed politics for a long time, so obviously I knew who Bloomberg was as a mayor, and for what it's worth, he was an authoritarian dipshit. You know all the jokes that we make about New York City being the nanny state? Yeah, all of that started with Bloomberg. You, You remember the soda tax and the fact that you couldn't get large coffees at Starbucks anymore? Yeah, that was Bloomberg. He started all that shit. He changed the rules so that he can run... For a third term as mayor. Like this dude is no, 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 no. He's, he's proven to be an authoritarian dipshit. And I don't know if people just don't realize how bad he was as a mayor or they're just so desperate for somebody to bring this back around to what I was saying before, for somebody to stop the Bernie Sanders nomination that they're willing to throw in their lot with Mike fucking Bloomberg. 
Oh my God. Yeah. No. <laughs> just no. I'm sorry. No. Just you can't. I for me, obviously, as a libertarian, ignoring stop and frisk, like I can't do that. I'm sorry. You violated people's constitutional rights. And that's the whole reason they had to stop doing stop and frisk is because the courts were like, yeah, no, that that violates people's Fourth Amendment rights. You can't do that. You can't just stop people on the street and ask them to empty their pockets. And you don't have probable cause. You don't have a warrant. You don't have jack shit. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> stop it right now. And not to say that cops don't still do that in New York City, but legally speaking, they're not supposed to. But you know how that goes. It just, no. And and like I said, I, hearing him point blank admit to that on tape should be disqualifying. I mean, that that should make you have to drop out, in my opinion. But there are people who want to hold on to this dude to, I guess, I don't know, He's his poll numbers are going up. I mean, he's already made it clear that he wasn't planning on participating in Iowa or New Hampshire or Nevada he doesn't plan on really participating in the official capacity until Super Tuesday. And that's not to say that he hasn't bombarded all of planet Earth with ads about freaking Bloomberg. <laughs> and it certainly hasn't stopped the president from talking about Mini Mike, aka the five foot four massive dead energy, which is I've probably the first and only time that I will ever relate to Mike Bloomberg is being a five foot four mass of dead energy. <laughs> but it's just, uh, I don't know. What is interesting, though, is the, the oppo research is getting dropped now. And it seems like as much as there's a concerted effort on one group of people to push him forward, there's equal opposite resistance to making sure he does not get anywhere near the nomination. And obviously, for obvious reasons, Team Bernie hates Bloomberg because he's a billionaire. And I'm like, there's like 15 other things to hate this man for, but y'all want to hate him because he's a billionaire. All right, whatever. Team Bernie, the Bernie bros have not been very nice to Bloomberg this week either. But I mean, I can't, I mean, I'm not going to go support Bloomberg. <laughs> he kind of deserves it. Because he's kind of an asshole. So what's going to happen with this? I don't know. It's just, it's so weird to watch. Mike Bloomberg. Like, these people realize that Mike Bloomberg was a Republican at one time, right? <laughs> like, he was a Republican, then he was a Democrat, then he's an Independent, I guess he's a Democrat again. I don't fucking know. It's just the weirdest person of all the people to try to pick to stop Bernie Sanders, you land on Mike Bloomberg. Anyway, moving on, we have the reemergence of a storyline that, that went away for a while, but maybe it's back. Um, Jesse Smollett has returned. Um, he's been indicted on six counts of lying to the police over the infamous MAGA hat, rope, Subway sandwich in Chicago situation from last year. <laughs> oh my god, that was that was something, man. That story was really fucking something. So ultimately he had been acquitted of charges and everything was dropped, but now apparently he's being indicted on six new counts. 
I don't know what's going to happen there, but apparently we will be discussing Jesse Smollett again and fake hate crimes and hoaxes in MAGA hats. <sighs> you know, covering politics is really, really strange sometimes because those are just words that you don't think would ever have to come out of your mouth, but there they are. <laughs> but the last thing I want to discuss before wrapping this up, because this is kind of a kind of a weird, interesting story, and I'm not quite sure where this is going to land. But Roger Stone, which general general jackass fixer person, has finally been sentenced. Is well, has been convicted and sentenced, kinda. Um, what had happened was, um, the Department of Justice had initially sent out their sentencing guideline. Initially, they were saying seven to nine years, which is a long time, no doubt. So the DOJ releases this. Trump tweets about it, that it's just this unfair miscarriage of justice and somebody should do something about it. The next day after this tweet, the DOJ reverses its initial sentencing guidelines and reissues new sentencing guidelines for three to four years. So what happened after that is all four of the federal prosecutors quit the case when the DOJ did that. Basically quit in protest because obviously how this looks is that the president of the United States involved himself in a DOJ investigation and got the DOJ to change their sentencing guidelines because he tweeted about it. Make whatever argument you want about Roger Stone or the investigation or his being found guilty of his sentencing. Um, This is a bad look. It's an extremely bad look for Bill Barr and the DOJ to have issued sentencing guidelines. And for what it's worth, seven to nine years was kind of on the harsher side, but that was the initial sentencing guideline. And then to revise it right after Trump expresses his displeasure at one of his people getting this sentence. Excuse me? Um, <laughs> boy, I hope... If I ever get convicted of a federal crime, somebody tweets on my behalf and gets my sentence lowered. I mean, is the DOJ doing this for everybody now? The answer is obviously no. And Barr has tried to say that this didn't happen in response to Trump and his reaction to it, which bullshit, my dude. Come on, you don't release sentencing guidelines and then change them a day after the president says that he doesn't like them and say that it had nothing to do with the president disliking them. Come on now. Come on, man. And so now we have this petition of, I think at this point, it's over 1,100 other attorneys calling on Barr to resign over this. Um, yeah, all of this mess over Roger freaking Stone. Of all people. But that's this is the world we live in now. That Roger Stone's sentencing guidelines have started this whole, 
whole big ass issue within the DOJ. And now you've got this massive situation. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's stupid on one level, but on another level, it's not because obviously it's a big deal. I mean, all of the prosecutors quit the case in protest. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Like DOJ prosecutors don't just walk off a case. Like that doesn't happen. And to have it be kind of this blatant that you change the sentencing guidelines and say whatever you want. You changed them because Trump got mad. Don't lie. Everybody knows what you did. Just own it. But it's just another example of the executive branch and the office of the presidency having way too much power and influence over things that are not its concern. Like the president should not be involved in this at all. The president should not be commenting in any forum, anywhere publicly, on any current active DOJ case. That's not okay. Do not interject yourself into the DOJ's business. You are the president. It is none of your concern. Especially don't do it on behalf of your friends. And there has been kind of speculation and rumor that... um. This is kind of setting the stage for a pardon for Stone and possibly for Michael Flynn, depending on how all this works out. And then there's also issues of on the jury, whether the forewoman was a Clinton supporter. It's it's a whole fucking mess. It's a whole big ass mess. And yeah, this might be setting the stage for Trump to just be like, you know what? This whole thing was just very unfair. And so I'm going to pardon Roger Stone, which if he pardons Stone, holy shit, is this going to be a shitstorm? Oh my God. If Roger Stone gets a presidential pardon, <laughs> people are going to lose their damn minds. There's going to be investigations. Hell, they might even reopen impeachment. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> but this is just, so, so, so crazy. But the last little bit of crazy that I, I want to bring up, and I do this only because it's out there and it's kind of in the rumor mill and touching back on Bloomberg a little bit. Um, Somebody put out in the ether and Drudge picked it up and now we're all talking about it because it's funny that Bloomberg said that he would pick Hillary as a running mate. <laughs> That would be just the most New York Democratic thing ever, first and foremost. Second of all, people's heads kind of exploded when they heard this. Whether it's true or not, I don't freaking know. It's funny as hell, though. And I mean, a Bloomberg Hillary ticket. (laughs) It's almost like they're daring people to be like, I hate Bernie so much, I would vote for Bloomberg and Hillary to be in the White House. Or that they hate Trump so much that they would vote for that ticket. Whether it's going to, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, honestly, I don't see Bloomberg getting the nomination. Then again, nobody saw Trump getting the nomination either. So there's, there's that. But I don't know. It's funny. And it's still a reason to hate Bloomberg. I really don't like Bloomberg. Like, if you had any, like, go back and look at the shit he did as mayor of New York City. Like, 
Seriously, the fact that anybody is even giving this dude the time of day as a presidential nominee just blows me away. Like, I don't understand what the hell is wrong with people. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up because I think we pretty much covered everything from this week. Um, Next week, obviously, we will have another Democratic debate on Wednesday. And then Saturday is the Nevada caucus. So that'll be an adventure. (laughs) Hopefully the Nevada caucus goes a little better than the Iowa caucus, although there's already some rumors. Um, They were allegedly supposed to use the same app that was used in Iowa. I think they shelved that idea for fairly obvious reasons. So whatever's going to end up happening with that, who knows? But next week we'll have another Democratic debate to talk about and another caucus and God knows what else. So if you did make it this far, as always, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.